Good morning. And uh, for those of you that I haven't had a chance to say it to yet, happy Mother's Day to all of the moms in the room. Let's just give a round of applause right now for all the moms who are in the room. I'm not going to make you stand up. No, you don't like to be the center of attention. All right, I know you like to be in the background, right? Not always, sometimes. All right, well, I'm glad you're here, and I know Mother's Day is a very special day. It's a very special day for the church. It's a very special day for our entire society, and so it is a day of celebration and love and encouragement, and um, so we want to remain in that spirit together today. I do know also that for some of you, Mother's Day is a hard day. For different reasons, we didn't all have the greatest example of moms, maybe, in our lives. Um, uh, Or maybe your mother has passed on, and that makes it a hard day. So I just want to recognize that. But I want to remind you that what we celebrate on this day is our tangible moms, moms that we know and we can look at as examples, but also the spirit of motherhood and thankfulness for the care and support that people provide. And so maybe it wasn't your mom, maybe it was someone else in your life that provided that sort of care and support to you. you. And so uh, even on a day that may be difficult for some of you, focus on the spirit of what it means for motherhood and care that we uh, celebrate on this day. Uh, I, for one, am very thankful because I had a tremendous mother. My, my mom was just, I, I'm so, I don't, I hate to say this, but my mom's better than your mom, okay? She, she's the best mom that there's been. I, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure she made mistakes. I just can't remember any of them, all right? She's unbelievable. Not only did the way that she cared for us and loved us and encouraged us and did all of those things that you want a mom to do, but she was just, and I say, I keep saying was, she's still with us, okay? And she, she may listen to this message, so I'm not saying was because she's passed on. Uh, she lives in New York, but a spiritual mountain of a woman. I'm telling you, like, humble like you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't know it, but when you, and when you spend time with her and see just the depth of faith that exists in her is so inspiring to me, and I had that as an example my entire life. And I, I know that spiritually I had a head start on other people because of that influence uh, that she had in my life. And so I'm so thankful for her the value of what it means to be a mom and the kind of influence that you have over your family it can't be overstated. Um, and it, I, it reminds me of a spot in Scripture where you've got um, a few people. Some of you know these people, some of you may not, but um, there's a man in Scripture named Paul, and Paul is an apostle and started most of the early churches. And uh, dramatic conversion to faith, but he would, um, he would go into an area and he would establish a church and then he would uh, raise up a leader or a pastor that would help to lead and shepherd that church. And one of those people that he raised up was a man named Timothy. And uh, Paul spends a lot of time talking to Timothy and he'll often go, he would start a church and he did this a couple times with Timothy, start a church and then leave Timothy there to help get it up and going and make it healthy and successful and teach him the things that they needed to know. And there was very much like a... Uh, uh, almost a father-son type of relationship between Paul and Timothy. And you can really see that in the two letters that we have written specifically to Timothy in the Bible, First and Second Timothy. And, um, but at the beginning of Second Timothy, Paul is talking about how much he wants to come and see him and how encourage, he was trying to encourage Timothy. And he says this because he knows Timothy is like a mountain of a man spiritually. But he knows where that comes from. And at the beginning of Second Timothy, he says this, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. 
So what he sees in his family is a generational uh, faith heritage in a way. It is a... Lois passed it to Eunice, Eunice passed it to Timothy. A mother has tremendous influence in her family spiritually. And sometimes that's for better and sometimes that's for worse. (laughs) And so it's very important because of the impact that family has on us, has on our entire lives. And uh, Jess mentioned it earlier, but we've been in a series called Solid Ground where we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we are going to take a break from that this week. We'll pick back up with it next week, continuing through the Sermon on the Mount. Because I was looking at the calendar, I just said, let's start the Sermon on the Mount, and then laid the whole thing out, and then looked at Mother's Day. And I was like, well, where we're coming to in the Sermon on the Mount has nothing to do with Mother's Day. So (laughs) we'll take a pause, but also we have something very exciting I want to share with you today. All right? We're going to take a week And we're just going to talk about family. We're going to talk about what family, the influence family has, and what family means to us here. Um, You may have noticed we have the word family in our name. (laughs) It's very important to us in this church. And maybe if you're new, or maybe today's even your first time, and I'm glad you're here, uh, you may be wondering, what's that all about? Why is it there? What does it have to do with anything? You know, I, I was I was I worried early on, and and some people may even get this impression from the outside. They may think that family is in the name of our church because we are a church for families, just for families. Like if you're single, you couldn't be a part of this church. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what it means. And I do fear that maybe someone might get that impression, but that's not what it means. Uh, why do we have the word family in the name of our church? There's a couple of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, we wanted to build a church family that was on mission together, okay? We wanted to be a family. We wanted to be a family for people who maybe didn't have family outside of here. We wanted to be a church family where, where maybe if you went through difficulty in your family and things were really messed up with your parents or your brothers or your sisters or your kids or whatever else, and you got a twisted definition of what family actually looked like, where this could be a place and that could be redeemed, where you could experience a family the way it's supposed to be experienced here with us. That was the first thing. And the second thing is that we we wanted, as a mission for our church, to equip families to honor God in their relationships. To equip families to honor God in their relationships. Now, over the last uh, five years, you all, along with us, have done an excellent job of the first piece of that of building a church family. And I have to say, I've been a part of a lot of churches and, and some really great ones. And this church feels more like family to me than anything else I've been a part of. And that's available to you. I want you to know that. And if you don't feel that and if you're not experiencing that, I want to encourage you to to engage with some other things in the church, to join a group or to serve on a team. That's where it really starts to feel like family. If you're not doing those things, it's not going to feel like that. So I want to encourage you um, to do that. We've done a good job of this, building our church family and being on mission together. Our mission is to know God, find hope, live free, and do good. So over the last five years, we've grown to know God on a deeper and truer level today. And if you're just jumping on board with us, you're going to continue to do that with us as we continue gathering here and in groups and serving and doing everything that we do. We found hope together as we've looked back to Christ's forgiveness for us on the cross and constantly remember his gift on the cross and the power of his resurrection and hope as we look forward to his return. When he's going to return to earth, establish his kingdom, and rule and reign here. And I can't wait for that because I'm about sick of the people that are ruling and reigning here now. Okay? So we're looking forward to that. Had enough of that. Right? It's time to move on. Jesus any day. 
you know. So, so we found hope together as we look back and we look forward to what Christ has done and is going to do. We have uh, learned to walk, what it means to walk freely, to walk free, to walk in grace and not in legalism, to walk in grace-based faith, not works-based faith. So we've learned how to do that together more and more and more. And we have done significant good, significant good in our families and in our community. We've done so many things here and there. Just just talked about the baby bottle campaign last year where we were collecting those bottles full of money. And, uh, man, it was awesome, awesome. We've done it the last three years. Is that what you're saying? Oh, she was saying we were third in the county. Not that it's a competition, we were third in the county and been fundraising for that, all right? And we wanted to do 50, and you did 100. Like, this is just what we continuously see in this church. We, we put something in front of you. You grab it. You run with it, and it's unbelievable. And now our goal is 100, and who knows? Let's just crush that. Let's knock it way out of the park and do more than that for them. They're doing such good work. So we've done such good work, good things, good work in the community, all right? And now, as we continue to do that and keep that rolling and still do all the things that we've always done, we want to take it to the next level. And this is something we've been preparing for, planning for, for five years, putting the pieces in place, getting ready to do it, and we're ready to do it. Before, before I tell you what we're going to do, because this may be new for some of you, uh, I want to talk about why we're going to do it. We are going to equip families to honor God in their relationships in a very practical way. And I cannot express to you how deeply this is needed for people to learn how to honor God in their relationships. When, when, we've, when this, this church was just a fledgling idea, when Jess and I were talking about it before anybody came on board, part of the, the, the genesis of it was the fact that we looked at the problems that were happening all around us, problems in schools. Jess saw it every day, come sitting down in chairs in front of her desk as an assistant principal. We saw it in the newspaper. We saw it in our friend groups. We saw it all over the place. We saw that there were struggles everywhere, and almost all of them spring out of the home. We can trace almost all of those problems back to families. Ultimately, sin is the problem. Sin is the problem with everything. But sin strikes first in the family. And that's where it takes root. Families, I was going to, I was going to, I was like looking up and researching and I was going to present a bunch of statistics to prove this. And then I was doing all the research and I was like, why am I doing that? I don't have to prove this because you already know it. Families are broken. And they're broken because people are broken. And so... We struggle so much, and people in our community struggle so much to understand, A, that they need to honor God with their life first, but second, how to, even if they want to. And then how does honoring God in their life affect their family and the people who are absolutely closest to them in their life? You think about the influence that people have in your life, whether that maybe it was parents or maybe it was grandparents or someone else who is in your family, and they're broken people. Broken people, 
lead to broken families. And listen, we live in a time where confidence, public confidence, in a biblical understanding of family is at an all-time low. All-time low. People are like, it doesn't work. What Scripture lays out for what a family is supposed to look like or what marriage is supposed to look like or what parenting is supposed to look like, it doesn't work. That's what people think. Well, the problems that people are pointing to are, are not in the structure of the family. They're in the implementation in the family. So this is like, this is like, uh, this is like giving a one-star review to something you bought online because the shipping company crushed it during transit, right? There's nothing wrong with the item. <laughs> the item is great, but it was mishandled. See, the problems people point to with God's model of family are not problems with the actual model. It's how the model has been mishandled. It's like, it's like returning a fork because you can't eat soup with it. It's not what it was designed to do. It wasn't used properly. The problem with the family is not a design flaw. It's user error. Okay? It's not a design flaw. It's user error. The problem is that God created a way for the family to function with each other, but sin comes in and blows it up. And so the solution isn't to change the structure or to change the design. The solution is to understand how to honor God with our lives and then how to honor God in our relationships. The problem is not with how God formed the family. It's that people haven't allowed God to form them within their family. Marriages don't split up uh, because the husband and wife are too kind and patient with each other. Divorce is not the result of two people being deeply committed to serving each other. Parents don't abandon their children because they're being extremely selfless. It's not the way it works. Those things happen. Families break because people are broken. And if we're going to make a difference in our community, it's going to begin there. What we're really talking about is discipleship. It's discipling people. And then helping them understand how that comes to bear on all of the relationships in their life. That's where a difference is going to be made. I mean, there are so many good things that are happening in our community. But ultimately, if it's not rooted in discipleship, it's a smokescreen. And so we can do more. And we can do better. For a lot of people, brokenness is the norm. It's what they're used to. It's what they're accustomed to. It's what was modeled for them. It's what they've seen. And so they just end up perpetuating the same things that they've seen. Or swinging the pendulum just back the other way, and it's, a, it's another extreme. But here's the deal. We have the answer. We look at all these problems that are going on around us, all this frustration, all this brokenness, and we have the answer. But the question is, first and foremost, are we going to accept the answer? And are we going to allow ourselves to be discipled? And are we going to? That's what we're doing here together with our church, okay? That's what we're learning how to do. We're learning how to follow the Spirit. We're learning how to understand who God created us to be. We're learning how to read and understand Scripture so that we can more closely follow the form that God has given to us. But what about everyone else 
outside of here? What about the people that we work with? What about the people in our school, our classmates or our teachers? What about our, what about our government officials? What about the, the people in our community that we know and that we love? They're not here. They're not being discipled, you know, on a weekly basis. They're not being discipled by coming, you know, coming to church and hearing a message and being in a group and discussing it and working through Scripture. They're not sitting down with their Bible and allowing God to form them. And then they're going into their families, and they're, it's getting blown up. We have the answer. God has given us a model for family that works. It works. You, look at, you can look at Scripture and and see that he's, you know, I think about my parents. My parents are awesome. I love them. I can't think of things that they did wrong, but I'm sure that they did. I'm sure they did, right? They're imperfect examples. As great as they are, they're still imperfect examples. But God has given us perfect examples to follow. You want to understand how to be a parent? Look at the way that God parents us. And say, I want to parent my kids the same way that God parents me. So when you're having struggling with your kids and you don't know what to do with them, then you simply ask, what would God do with me if I were in my kids' shoes? And then you do that. You wonder, how or why should I respect my parents or follow my parents or listen to my parents? You know, God gives us things he wants us to do because he knows that better than us. You know, And often parents, we're telling, just so you know, my kids are in the room. Uh, when I tell you to do something, it's because I know something you don't know. Okay? you got to learn how to trust me, man, because I love you. I'm looking straight at Jairus. He does a good job of this sometimes, most of the time, sometimes. All right? Why do, why, you know, why do, we, why do we follow God? God is our Father. He is good, and he loves us, and he, 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 above anybody else in the entire universe, wants always what's best for us. So when he leads us to something, and he says, do this or don't do this, we need to listen to him and trust him. And kids, when you look at your parents, if you, you believe that your parents love you and are protecting you and caring for you in the way God does for his children, you listen to them and you respect them and you trust them and you do it even if it doesn't make any sense. They're trying to protect you, right? So God gave us a model, a father and child, mother and child, parent and child, okay? That's a model, and we need to follow it. He gave us the model of what a marriage is supposed to look like between a man and a woman. It's Christ and the church. So he's, and you, if you want to look more into this, and you're going to do this in groups this week, by the way, look more closely at Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 where it lays out some of this model for you. All right, But it says that, uh, Paul says that, who wasn't married, by the way, but he didn't have to be married because he knew this model came from God. Okay, uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, you, you know, who, who teaches you how to be a good husband? It's not like I've never seen a class for that, quite frankly. Like you just look at the models that you have in your life and you either do what they did or not, right? You're just kind of taking a stab at it. You don't need to take a stab at it because you have a model. Look at what Jesus did for the church. That is what you're supposed to do for your wife. And it works. It works. Wives. The scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Listen, there are people who have a real problem with this idea of submission, but you know why? Because they've seen sinful examples of submission. So they think that it doesn't work because it's been abused and misused and mishandled. 
But why does the church submit to Christ? The church submits to Christ because Christ has given his life for us, because he is good and he is loving and he protects us and he cares for us and he leads us. And so, of course, we're going to submit and follow him because of who he is. And not just because he's God. Husbands and wives, there's a situation with husbands and wives where, where guys look at the scripture and it says, you're supposed to submit to me, so do everything that I say, even when I'm a jerk. Like, no. <laughs> no. Husbands need, to be a, husbands need to be loving their wives as Christ loved the church, and wives need to be listen, submitting to their, not listening to necessarily, submitting to their, their husbands as the church submits to Christ. It's, a, it's an upward cycle. This is not control. It's not domination. It's, it's like, it's just how, listen, Jess and I, we've been working through this for a long time. She's a strong-willed woman. Is that fair to say? She's a strong-willed woman. She's an opinionated woman. She is a powerhouse of a woman, all right? But in our relationship, and I'm not going to set us up as an example like we're perfect or anything, because we're definitely not. Don't, don't, don't think that for a second. All right, we're all imperfect examples trying to figure this thing out. But in our relationship, Jess, and she's the more outgoing of the two of us, and she's the more bold of the two of us. All right, but in our relationship, I try to love her as well as I possibly can so that she always knows that I'm going to give myself up for her and for the kids and that I'm thinking about them ahead of myself and that I am trying to follow Christ as closely as I can and do what honors him and make those kinds of decisions. And so when we come to an impasse or when we disagree, we have built up trust in our relationship over the years. And she's okay, even though I know she's usually right, she's okay at times with saying, you know what, we'll do that. And it's because she trusts me. It's because she trusts me. I wouldn't expect her to follow me and listen to me if she didn't trust me. If I were making selfish decisions or if I were just going and chasing after whatever it was I wanted to chase after, I wouldn't expect her to listen to and follow me because I wasn't being trustworthy. All right, this is a beautiful, you look at the relationship of Jesus and the church and you put yourself in wherever you need to put yourself in and do those things and it works. And then marriage and parenting and all of this is what it's supposed to be. Right. We know what works. We have the solution. So we need to embrace it ourselves. And we need to help others see it too. And it's the only way we're going to make real lasting impact. And it's not just about fixing society or anything like that. All right. It's about leading people to Christ and helping them to follow him closely, which is what our life and our mission is supposed to be. But we specifically want to do that in the area of families and relationships because we believe that's right at the root of the tree. So five years ago, when we were talking about this thing, what is this thing going to be? What are we going to do? We knew that we wanted our church to not only be a church family together, but also to help impact families in our community and teach them, show them how to honor God in their relationships. And so it began a vision, not like a, not like a trance vision, but just like a what we see in the future vision, that we believe that God wanted us to create a ministry in Salisbury that was fully funded and supported by our church 
that would be a place where people can come and can learn and be encouraged to honor God in their relationships. And over the years, it's become to be called the Family Center. And this has been an idea. It's something that we've been working on. Because we wanted to be sure that when the time came, that we did something that was significant, that was organized, and that was sustainable. And so he said, here's what we want. First of all, we need to make sure we get our church family established and stable. And we've done that. COVID made it hard, but in your face, COVID, we're doing just fine. All right? So our church family is stable and healthy. And then we looked logistically at it, and we said there's a couple things that we need to see. We, we need to be able to financially support the Family Center out of our regular giving in our church. Not a special offering, not going to outside organizations that are going to contribute back into it because we don't want to be subject to whatever's going on with them. We want to be fully sustaining this financially. So we laid down, the trustees laid down some financial thresholds that we had to hit. And once we hit a certain amount of giving per month, then we could, there were two things we were looking for. The first thing was the space. That was the first thing we wanted to have. Where is it going to happen? Uh, we don't have a church building, in case you hadn't noticed, uh, all week long, so we needed a space. And in March of 2020, we hit that threshold, and we signed a lease on a space. And that space is um, over across the, kind of behind Burger King on Inner Street. Okay, across the street from Chick-fil-A, but behind Burger King, straight across the street from O'Charlie's, there's a little office building right there. All right, we're in there. All the restaurants, uh, you might have noticed I'm putting on weight. So it's by all the restaurants, Jersey Mike's, and there's a Chinese bu- big Chinese buffet back there. Anyway, um, a lot of good things. Uh, cookouts across the street, Bojangles, Panera. I could keep going. Uh, but anyway, we had the space. God was really looking out for us because we signed that to be space for the family center that we were just going to hang on to and hold until we were ready to go. Um, and uh, in March of 2020, you might have noticed something happened. And... Um, COVID hit, and that became our studio. So for those of you that watched the streaming services for about a year, that's where we were doing it from. Um, and uh, so we've, But now it transformed. It's no longer a studio. Now it has office furniture and meeting furniture and everything that we need. So we have the space. And then we said the second threshold was that we needed the person. Because it was very important to me that when we got this started, we had somebody who could dedicate themselves and their life to it which to me meant hiring a full-time staff person to run the family center. Not part-time, not split, full-time staff member. It would be our first staff member hired full-time other than me. We have some part-time, but this would be our first staff because we, I want you to know and I want our community to know how seriously we take this. And so the, the trustees wanted to see us over a certain period of time because they're very faithful and, and, and diligent over a period of time, to see a running average of at least a particular offering amount. And over the last, well, it's been over the last nine months, I suppose, we've hit that number every single month. And so we said, and we had, when we had our family meeting toward the beginning of the year and talked through the budget and everything, we said, we're ready to go. We're ready to hire the person. And so what I want you to know is that we are ready to go, and we have hired the person. So we now have a space to meet And we have someone who is going to make it their life and their mission to go with the family center. And I'm going to introduce you to them in just a moment. I know you're excited. I'm going to introduce you to them in just a moment. 
They're going to start in June. Probably going to start before that, honestly. But they officially start in June. And we are looking at officially launching the Family Center in September, most likely. So it's coming very, very quickly. So what I want to do is I want to introduce the person who is going to be the, the director of the Family Center for us. I want you to welcome her on stage, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what it all means for us. So I'm proud to announce that the director of our Family Center is going to be Amy Prater. All right. Amy, come on up. Get these in place. All right, come on over. There you go. All right. Good? Good. All right. So we can start off, and uh, I know, Amy, not everybody knows you here yet, so they're going to get to know you, aren't they? Yes, they will. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> so if you could take just a couple of minutes and share a little bit about you, your family, just help everybody get to sure. know you. All right, so we were testing the mics out this morning, and I gave my North Carolina accent, <laughs> but um, I am from North Carolina. I grew up in Hickory, and um, met my husband there after I came back from college. And um, I met him at the church that I had grown up at, and um, he didn't, his parents moved from Pennsylvania, and he didn't move with them, but he did help them move, and I saw him. When I was helping them move into their house, I went over and I helped them paint, and anyway, um, I met him, we started dating. His mother, he's not here this morning because he's with his father who wasn't feeling well, but, so he can't defend himself here, but he... Um, <laughs> He would deny this if you ever ask him this, but I was the church piano player where um, I had grown up. My mom was the organ player, and Nathan's mom and his sister came to scope out a place for them to live, and so she saw me playing piano, and she said she went back, and she told Nathan she had found his wife for him. <laughs> we, we hadn't met, <laughs> but she had found his wife, and so here Nathan and I are 27 years later. We're married. Um, well, we've been married 27 years. It was a little longer than that. But um, anyway, we got married, and we moved to Alabama so that he could finish his um, graduate um, degree. And our children were born there, and we had been there about 10 years and decided we wanted to be close to family. My parents still live in Hickory. His parents actually live in Rockwell. Um, they moved from Hickory to Rockwell after we got married. So because of that, we... Um, we chose to live here in Salisbury. He um, was able to get a job um, here. And then we, um, our boys went to school in Rockwell. Then we started homeschooling. And then we had the opportunity to, um, through Nathan's job, to move to um, the Netherlands for a couple of years. So that's what our family did together. Um, we do have three boys who are our oldest is Joshua, who is 24. He's in the United States Coast Guard, and he is stationed in Kodiak, Alaska, which is a long way from home, <laughs> but he loves it. Then our middle son is 22. He just got married in the fall. He and his wife live here in Salisbury and are active in a um, church in Kannapolis. And then our youngest is 19, and he still lives at home, and he is a manager at Jocko's Mini Golf. So if you have ever played um golf, and I think the church has been there a couple of times, but if you've ever been there, you may have seen him. Um, I would say he's probably the cutest 
guy that works there. But anyway, I'm a little partial. <laughs> but anyway, so um, so that's just you know a little bit about our our family and um, you know so we've been here. I think you and I were talking about it the other day. Y'all moved here about a year before we did. So we moved Christmas of 04, picked our boys up in the middle of the school year and plopped them back down um, here. And they adjusted, and North Carolina is home to them. And it's, of course, home to me and now home to my husband. So, yeah. And you, uh, so you were in the Netherlands for a couple of years for work, but then came back, what, three, was it three years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three, three years, years ago. ago. Yeah, and that's when, uh, that's when the Praetors found our church and, and then COVID happened, and then we were streaming, and then it's just, it's been kind of up in the air. So yeah. so they've been with us for three years now, but like I said, some of you may not know them because it's been, you know, kind of all over the place. But, um, yeah, so uh, what is it about, um, I mean, so you got involved in the church family here, um, but what is it about the Family Center? What's drawn you to this? Um, so like I said, um, Nathan and I, we've been married 27 years. We dated a couple of years before then, but we both had the opportunity to grow up in good Christian homes. And we saw our families involved in church. And um, my dad was um, in education. He was a teacher and an administrator in public schools. And and between that, you know, kind of stories that I would hear from him and then things that, that I saw and things that I was a part of, um, in high school and then in college. And then once Nathan and I were married, we got involved in a, in a good small group when we first got married. Um, eventually, we, he started teaching a small group for, for young couples, but we were involved in that small group when we first got married and had really good mentors there, which was very helpful for us because I, I moved away for the first time in my life from everything that I knew. Um, I, my my family always lived literally. Our, all our houses were right beside each other with my aunts and uncles. Um, so it was a big step, but of course I was married and that's what I wanted to do. But I needed um, a mentor. We, we both needed a mentor, but there were some ladies in that class that kind of took me under their wing and really helped with Bible studies and that kind of thing. Um, and then just the every week going to church but over the years as we have gotten to where we led those groups whether it was a young couples or um, we've worked with college kids we've worked with with youth and between church and then what we've seen in the community because we volunteered in our communities we've I've seen the need for the church to provide what the family center is what the goal is for that so when Three years ago, when we started attending, it, we did the um, that meal in the evening at Irwin at the beginning of the year. I guess it was kind of the annual annual meeting, and that was the first time that I think Nathan and I had heard about the family center. And a lot of times, Nathan, we would talk about what can we do to make a difference where we are at, and so that was brought up then, and we talked about it after that. And I said, you know, I'd like to be a part of that. And then COVID happened. And we all kind of, things drastically changed for everybody for, for quite some time. And now, um, in January of this year, we attended the meeting here. And you made the announcement that we were ready to move forward. So, Nathan and I got in the car, and it was back to that. What can we do to make a difference? And I said, I'd still like to be a part of that. And he said, I think we should talk to John and Jess and see what can we do. So, I think I sent Jess a text message and said, 
what is this all about? She sent me the job description back. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> she is. <laughs> so I looked over it, and then we, um, we went out to dinner and talked to you guys about it and, and understood even more what the vision is. And um, so I know you guys prayed about it, we prayed about it, and um, this is what I, I want to be a part of. Carolina family. I mean, we're, we're part of Carolina Family Church, but I want to be a part of the Family Center and and help get this off the ground and get it going. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. And it's going to take not, it's it's you, but uh, we've also talked, we're going to assemble a team of people that are going to help to to organize and, and lead it. And um, so uh, if you're interested in that, almost like a um, uh, I don't know the right term. Not a committee. I don't like that word. A team of people that are going to help really pull everything together to get us ready for September because um, it's a lot to do. So um, as, we, as we're looking forward and, you know, when, when things roll around uh, and, and we get started in, uh, in the fall, what kinds of things is, tangibly speaking, is the Family Center actually going to do? Um, so we want to provide classes um, for on parenting, relationships, finances. Um, we also want to provide coaching, mentorship, mentoring people. Um, so that's where you guys can come in. Maybe maybe it's helping facilitate a class. Maybe it's mentoring people one-on-one. Um, and I think this is uh, one of the things that was helpful from the time that we got married and then had children is having those groups of of people and their support system, and then from those, the individuals that that you can go to, and that's what our church can be to the people that come to the family center. And when we do those classes and working with them, and you can probably think of people that you know that would benefit from this. I mean, I, and and the, and as a church family, maybe you walk alongside somebody and you attend that class with them, and that's how they will come, is, is they come with you, but then mentoring um, that person even outside of there. And it, once that relationship is built, you know, they may come and sit beside you here at church is the next step. Um, so, you know, it's not just having them come and be a part of a class at that family center, but then what is the next step? And hopefully it would be that they, they come and they sit here with you, and then they continue to grow and be a part of Carolina Family Church at that point. So we really want to equip people with skills in some cases. Sometimes it's just knowledge and skills, uh, like in a class setting, and equip them with uh, influential relationships, like mentors, coaches, or groups of people. Um, so for everybody um, who's here, like we have, a, we have a picture of what it's going to look like, but... Uh, and how we're, how we're involved, obviously. So what does it mean for everyone who's here? How can they be a part of it? Um, I will be in the lobby <laughs> at the end of the service. <laughs> um, but um, come and see me. Tell me what you want to do. I think you know, Jess does this for church. How can you get plugged in here at church? So maybe you're sitting there right now thinking, I want to be a part of Carolina Family Center. You're already a part of the church. Now I want to be a part of the, cent- of, the, of the family center that reaches out to our community. And you're the one 
how are you how are you sitting there right now thinking how can I make a difference in our community so come and see me there's I mean we all have relationship struggles parenting struggles maybe financial struggles and that's what we want to provide for the community is the opportunity for them to come and learn how can they overcome those through biblical teaching is what we're going to provide for that. So what can you do? You can come in the lobby and you can tell me, I want to be a part of this. Maybe you don't know what that looks like yet, um, but we'll get, you, we'll get you plugged in, whether it's teaching or maybe it's childcare. If we've got a parenting class and there's little ones and we're doing stuff with them, we may need somebody, maybe, you know, teenagers, you know, come and you can, you can help provide the childcare. There's all kinds of stuff that's going to be needed. And I think we're still working on that list. We're working on the list of classes. We do already have the main ideas. But if you know of something that helped meet a need for you, maybe there's a class that you went to. Um, there's so much information out there. We, can, we could spend lots and lots of time going through it, but maybe something that really spoke to you and meant a lot to you in a class that you went through or a Bible study that you did. Um, let me know. We'll jot it down. We'll look into it, and um, we'll write some of our own own curriculum, but we'll also use no reason to recreate the will um, when there's good stuff out there already. Um, so the main thing, I think, is coming. Come and see us. Yeah, just just <laughs> expressing your willingness to be a part of it. Like, is because we're trying as we've been planning uh, is to just put some very basic things in place to begin with, and then we've tried to do this with the church too. I, I think that the ministry of a church should be directed by the people that God brings to it. Like, not predetermined, and then try to find people to plug into what, but. What has God taken you through? What has he taught you? What have you experienced? And now let's use that in ministry. So you directing what happens with the Family Center more than us just prescribing it. So uh, we do have some kind of basic things that we're going to start off with and put in place. But it's going to be what comes out of your heart and your life and your experience that helps to direct this. So um, you may need some help in fleshing out exactly what that looks like. But uh, Amy's your point person for that. Um, and uh, by the way, we're saying this is our ministry to the community. Like, I get it that we're probably going to need this too, okay? So, like, there, is, there may be classes that you want to go to that I want to go to where we can learn more or groups that we want to be a part of. So it's not just for the community. It's for all of us. But really, this is our sort of outreaching arm to the community. Um, and we'll start off with a few classes, a few things. Um, one great example, one thing we're going to offer through the Family Center is premarital counseling for couples that are thinking of getting married and they want to go through a premarital counseling process. Um, so that may be something that you, particularly those of you that are married, you could be trained as uh, premarital counselors so that you could take people through that and, and help them get off uh, on the right foot. So things like that. Um, so we'll be talking more about it. But if you just want to be a part of it and want to figure out how or maybe you already know, you can definitely talk to Amy about that. Um, and I think, I think what's important is to remember that, that we're not just, this is not just a social service, okay? It is going to impact our community, but ultimately our goal is to disciple. Ultimately, our goal is to teach people about Jesus, help them to meet them themselves and to choose to follow him and then take that into their families. That's what we're doing. And that's what we'll do even in a skills-based thing, like how do you manage your finances, you know, which most people don't get taught. 
Uh, how do you manage your finances? All of that will be based on biblical principles and point people to a relationship with Jesus. So um, that is the goal of all of it, because ultimately Jesus Christ is our hope. He is, he is the one. He's the one we're looking for today. He's the one we're looking for tomorrow. And so um, we want to make sure everything is wrapped in that. And so um, you can be a part of it by serving in the Family Center. Please be praying in your uh, regular prayer time for the Family Center and for the leaders and for God to move not only in you but in other people as well to step up and, and be willing to, to serve uh, in that way. Um, there's, of course, a financial need, but you guys are already meeting that need, so keep it up. <laughs> it's just whatever your regular giving is, keep it up. And the, fi- the Family Center is going to be great. So, um, uh, But what, what I want to do now is take a, a couple of minutes to pray. And we're going to pray for Amy as she steps into this role. We're going to pray for the Family Center. We're going to pray for everybody who's a part of it. And I want to pray for you, uh, that God will lead you in how he wants you uh, to be involved. All right. So let's take a moment and pray together. Father, uh, we want you to know how much we love you and how thankful we are for you. Uh, You are good. And uh, you have created us. And so we know that you have a plan for us. You have a design for us. You have a way that you want us to live and relate with you. You have a way that you want us to live and relate with each other. And it's very hard for us. We miss that so often um, because of sin, sin that exists in, in our heart, in our life, and sin that exists in the people that we're trying to relate to, <laughs> trying to love. And, and it's so hard. It's so hard, and you know that. But you have a plan and a design, and you want to draw us into that. And so, God, I ask that you continue to teach us. You continue to teach us individually, to grow us, to mold us, to shape us, to change us, so that we can be who you want us to be. Show each of us what that means for the people around us, whatever role we may have in our family, the relationships that we have, how we're supposed to follow you and honor you in that. Even in situations where the the other person may not be doing that, making that choice. God, I thank you that you've given us hope and that you've given us truth and that you've given us grace and that you, you want to lead us. And I'm so thankful for all the people in this room who've made the decision to believe in you for salvation first and foremost, have accepted the grace of Jesus. And then for so many of us in the room that have given our lives over to you to lead and to guide, to shape and to mold and to change, and it's making a difference. But there are so many people around us that don't know. They don't know that they're supposed to do this or they don't know how to do it even if they want to. That they don't, there are people around us that we love, care about, interact with every single day and they don't know you. And they don't know how to follow you. And, and, and so God, I pray that you would use us You've already put us in their life. You've already put us in this community. You've already put us in their path. So now use us. Use us to show them that they need you. That if they try to do life on their own and try to figure it all out, they're just going to stumble and stumble and fall and fall. But that you are good and loving and that you want to have a relationship with them and that you want to walk with them and lead them. So use us, God. That's what we're saying. Use us. So that as we experience the hope of Jesus, we can lead them to hope. God, as our church specifically puts together this ministry, Lord, that's what we want to do. 
guide us as we do that. Lord, guide and bless Amy as she leads it. As she follows you and listens, show her the right steps to take, the conversations to have, the pieces to put in place. And as she does that, bless her and bless the ministry that you would receive glory through her effort, her dedication, and her focus. Use us as a church to encourage her as she does that. And God, use all of us individually. Show us. Maybe you need to, maybe if you would highlight for us something in our life where we had a tremendous model of somebody. Or maybe there's somewhere where we've struggled and you've, you've walked us through it. Something that we've learned that we need to pass on and share. I pray, God, that you would speak and you would show everybody in this room individually what it means for them, what their part is in it. God, I pray now for our community, for people that are hurt, they're broken. And they've just become accustomed to brokenness. That's, that's what life is. It's what they've come to expect. They don't even see, they don't even see where it could change. They don't, they don't see a model or an example of anything different than what they've already seen. I pray, God, that you would use us to show them hope. Hope for their future and their relationship with you. Hope for eternity. And then hope in their family. Put right now, even just start putting people in our path. Put people in our path that need this. And give us the, the softness and the willingness to listen to you so that we know when that person is in front of us. So we know what to say, so we know how to say it. And that together we can be a part of healing and restoration and hope and freedom, and joy. Starting right here in our heart, spreading to our church and spreading out from our church. So that when people look at us and the ministry that we're doing, they will see you, your love, your grace, your compassion, your encouragement, your direction, your peace. And that we can draw more and more and more people into your family, brothers, sisters, in this together in your name. As we all turn our hope to where it belongs, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.